Good morning. I'm going to trip. I apologize. Uh, my name is Kurt Bissell. If I haven't met you, I am our online campus pastor um, here at Garfield Memorial. Um, a lot of pastors in the United Methodist uh, denomination moved over the last couple of weeks, and today is their first Sunday preaching at new churches. Pastor Scott, we know we celebrated um, his, all of his years of ministry here at this church. He is starting uh, preaching at a new church today, as I said, many others are as well. So please keep them in prayer. One of the cool things that we did over the weekend, um, the pastor Chip texted me about and said, please share this. Um, is that we delivered a bunch of care packages to those pastors going to new locations. We want to build um, other churches up, and we want to build those in our, uh, in our midst that are sharing ministry with us up. So that's able to happen because of your generosity, because of your love and support for this church. So thank you for that. I want to say hi to my friends online. Um, I know we've been having some issues with Facebook um, Live. Again, we're down, but um, you can watch on other platforms as well when you're not here. Today is a bit of a conundrum for me. Uh, anytime I preach on a 4th of July weekend, I'm not really sure what to do because the 4th of July is not a religious holiday. Now, depending on the church you go to, you might not know that. And, and, um, but here's the thing is there are lots of patriotic hymns. And, and I struggle with that, but yet I, um, I was flipping through our hymnal. I brought a, a, a show and tell. Um, this has, how many of you know what this is? A few of you do. Our, raise your hand if you do. Oh, well over half. All right. So let me just explain. This is the United Methodist hymnal. Any so there's, there's songs in here, and they've got music notes because people apparently can sing along to these. I don't read music, so I just, the notes go up and down, and I pretend that I know what I'm doing. But in this hymnal, there are patriotic hymns. In fact, if you go to page, uh, to, to song number 717, you can find Battle Hymn of the Republic. If you go to 697, you can find America, my country, tis of thee. And you can go then to the next page. It actually opens, and there's two on the same, on the same page. Um, 696 is America the Beautiful. So if they're in here, they must be okay to sing, right? Some of you shook your heads, yes. Now, there certainly is good intent in the writing and the singing of those songs, but I find myself in tension because anytime we intertwine patriotism and religion, we distort both. There's, there's a tension there because um, we have to understand that, that those two things don't always go together. And the fact of the matter is, is uh, Christian nationalism, which is the combining of patriotism and faith together, Christian nationalism has been on the rise over the last several years. And, and it's undergirded by the idea of the myth of a Christian nation. And one of the things that I always, when I see a cross and a flag meshed together, that is a sign to me, is there a little bit of reverb here? Can you guys hear that? 
All right, we're working on it. Cool. All right, so there, there's this intertwining. Anytime you see um, a flag and a cross together, we're distorting both things, right? There, there's a misunderstanding of what it means to be a patriot, to be patriotic, but there's also then a misunderstanding of what it means to be an American. There's, there's a confusion that to be a good Christian is to be a good American, and to be a good American is to be a good Christian. And so when we intertwine patriotism and religion, we distort b both. One of my least favorite ones, and it, and it goes back to Colin Kaepernick's kneeling on the, during the national anthem. I stand for the flag and kneel for the cross. If you can see this here, the cross of Jesus Christ is colored as an American flag. That is the definition of Christian nationalism, and it confuses and distorts both what it means to be an American and what it means to be a Christian. And so I struggle with this. But as I was going through those three hymns, I was struck and brought back to America the Beautiful. And I realized that there's some power and truth, especially in that hymn, in that song. Let's call it a song. Are we good with that? One person is. All right, we're going to go with you. Thank you, Pastor Steve. So the song, it captures this idea of beauty. And I was reminded that beauty is the work of the gospel. That the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of beauty. Caleb read for us Isaiah 61. If you've never read any of the Old Testament, but you've read the gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've heard parts of Isaiah 61. And the reason is this, in Luke 4, Jesus is getting ready to launch his earthly ministry, and he goes to the, syn the synagogue in Nazareth, and he opens up the scrolls. They didn't have hymnals back then. They had scrolls, and the, they didn't have Bibles the way we think of it. So he opens up the scroll, and he begins to read from Isaiah 61, and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. And this isn't just, he's reading Isaiah now. He is saying to the people, it's on me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news. And then the rest of that, pack, that passage is really defining the good news. Now in Luke, it kind of highlights a few things. And biblical scholars would say those are the things that Jesus really was saying to the people. This is what my gospel is. My supposition is that he probably read the whole scripture. You didn't get to read selected verses from the scrolls back then. So he reads the whole thing, and then Luke is saying, let me highlight for you a couple of the things that Jesus' ministry, the gospel of Christ, then was lived out into. And so he says this, Provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty. Do you hear that word beauty? A crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. The foundation of Jesus' ministry and the gospel of Jesus Christ is a gospel of beauty a gospel provision of joy, of comfort. 
It's Pastor Scott said a couple of weeks ago, he said, the good news of Jesus isn't that you're all condemned to go to hell, but there's an escape clause. It's that, it, that, that the gospel is a gospel of beauty, of hope, of restoration. That is the good news, that God created all of it, that God is restoring it and giving us beauty and joy and hope in the midst of despair and discouragement. And so I want to discuss a little bit more as I come back to America the Beautiful is this idea that the beauty is gospel work, that beauty as gospel work. I didn't do a good job. I apologize. Beauty as gospel work is to be explored, created, and restored. And so I come back to the beauty of nature. In America the Beautiful, it begins with these lyrics. It says, Oh, beautiful for spacious skies, for amber waves of grain, for purple mountains, majesty above the fruited plain. America, America, God shed his grace on thee. And I'm struck and reminded by the beauty, the natural beauty of our country. You don't have to go far beyond a couple of miles outside of this church to experience God's beauty. A walk through our metro parks, a journey to the shores of Lake Erie. Now you have to be selective <laughs> on what shores you go to. And we're actually gonna talk about that in a moment. But you can then just go out into the countryside and gaze up at the night sky. Nature, describes the beauty of God. Now, why is beauty so important? Beauty is important because ultimately it gives us glimpses of the kingdom of heaven. Paul says in 1 Corinthians that we see through a, a, a dimly, you know, dimly lit mirror, you know, there's a fog to it. And, and the idea is that when we look at this earth, it's really shades of gray, it's dulled. There's a couple of movies out there, um, one maybe 20-ish years ago called Pleasantville, I believe it was. Uh, does anybody remember that movie? Okay, some of you do, thank you. It, it's pretty old, right? Nobody wants to admit that it's old. <laughs> but it, it, the idea of the movie is that everybody is living in black and white, and as they begin to experience different things, they begin to see the world in color. In God, in, in Revelation, God paints this picture of a new heaven and a new earth. And the idea is that even though this earth is dull, that when we get to see the new heaven and the new earth, we're seeing in full color. And so God is saying, right now, you can't see it all. But when you catch glimpses of beauty, you see a glimpse, a snapshot of what heaven, the new heaven, the new earth is going to be like. And that is when we can see that, we begin, to, um, we begin to be restored and hope grows up in us. And so that is why ultimately beauty is the work of the gospel, is because beauty gives us glimpses of what heaven is to be. And so I want to talk about two ways really that beauty um, we see beauty in America, but that, those beauties that we, that, that beautiful things we see in America gives us glimpses of heaven. But it's not just going to be exploring that beauty, but also beginning to create it 
and I think most importantly, restore some of it. So let's go back then to the beauty of nature. I got us out of order and I apologize for that. But we talk about then the beauty of nature and we look around and we see this beauty that nature is then testifying to the glory of God. If you wanna read of this idea in scripture, go to the Psalms. The psalmist understood that nature spoke to the beauty and the majesty of God. Psalm 19 says the heavens proclaim the glory of God, the skies display his craftsmanship. If you want to connect with God to see a snapshot of God, then look to the heavens, then look to nature, because you will see it in those things. And we live in a beautiful country. The mountains, the, the streams, the rivers, um, the forests, the, the oceans, it speaks to God's glory. It is not God, it is not something we worship, but it connects us to God through that beauty. Romans 8.20, though, reminds us of another reality that we see in this country. It says, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. Nature didn't sin, we did. And yet, nature, creation, was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Part of our work of doing the gospel of Christ, of ministering to the world, is to do earth care. We all experience the brokenness, the, marred, uh, the, the, the brokenness of nature this last week. On Wednesday and Thursday, we were living in a campfire. Now, we can just blame Canada. I grew up, we always had the joke, blame Canada. Did any of you grow up with that? Nobody, all right, moving, somebody, did. all right, so moving on. But here's the thing, is, is there's these Canadian forest fires, and scientists tell us that they're some of the worst in history, in large part because of climate change, and climate change that has been accelerated by human activity. We can think of other examples of where human activity has marred God's creation pollution, oil spills, fracking, deforestation, all human activity that ultimately is sinful because it's destroying the beauty of nature. And when we destroy that beauty, the snapshots of heaven that we get to see become smaller and smaller and smaller. And so the work of the gospel is to also begin to restore beauty in nature. Earth care is not a political or a liberal or a secular idea, but it is a biblical mandate God puts on us in Genesis 1. God is calling us to not only explore, but to create and restore beauty in nature. Beauty is not just to be uh, passively observed as we do the work of building the kingdom here on earth. But beauty as gospel work is to explore and create and restore. Have I made anybody uncomfortable yet? Not yet. All right, we'll work on it. 
Let's go back to America the Beautiful. In verse 3, it says, America, America, God, mend thine every flaw. Confirm thy soul in self-control, thy liberty in law. So in that verse, I think you can kind of read it two ways. But one of the things that I think I have seen in America, and I think many of you have as well, is that there are certain circles of Christian, American Christians, that put the U.S. Constitution and U.S. law equal with Scripture and with the law of God. And we've conflated those two. And, and I think when we do that, again, we distort religion and we distort patriotism, but also it causes us to begin to gloss over all of the things, all of our sins, all of our problems and our attitudes that have existed since the beginning of this country and continue to exist today. Many of those issues revolve around the beauty of diversity. But the reality is this, we have to understand that the, there is a beauty in diversity and when we embrace that diversity, we are proclaiming the good news. But as I go back to the beginning of our country, we have always been diverse, but there have also always been people trying to keep that diversity in its proper place. And, and we have to acknowledge that, that there is a brokenness in diversity within our country. This is not a dump on America sermon, but it is to acknowledge that we have been sinful and broken God's vision of diversity for our country, for our world, for our churches. I've been reading a book um, by Jamar Tisby called The Color of Compromise, The Truth About a American Church's Complicity in Racism. Many of you have probably read it. I'm late to the party on this one. But I've followed Jamar for years now, and, and he just speaks with such clarity and conviction um, around how the American church has really been enabled and sometimes empowered racism in our country and segregation, and yet there has become a move towards the diversity in the church. We're part of a mosaics network of hundreds of churches in America that are saying, you know what? If we want to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, we have to be a diverse body because we know there is beauty in diversity. And beauty is what gives us glimpses of heaven. So if we want to see heaven, we have to worship and do life and do faith in a diverse group of people. Amen? And so we have to acknowledge that sometimes we fall short in that place. And so the work of the gospel is ultimately we must work for diversity. If we go to, we oftentimes talk about being a, a Revelation 7-9 church. And in Revelation 7, 9, it says, after I saw this. So this is, um, this is uh, John, the revelator, is writing here. And he's had this vision, and he's describing. He says, after I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, the diversity of God's people, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb, they were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands. That describes the vision and the mission of our church. But it goes on. 
And it says, and they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. They are proclaiming salvation. A diverse group of people are proclaiming salvation, and there is beauty in that, and that beauty gives us the picture of heaven. Heaven is a diverse place, and that diverse people proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And so the work of the gospel, then, of Jesus is to explore and create and restore diversity in our country and equality and to stand up for those who have been voiceless, those who have been impressed, those who have been enslaved and say this is not the work of God. We want to see a beautiful diversity because that gives us glimpses of heaven and that is the gospel. Racial justice is not a secular thing. It is a biblical mandate. Just as earth care is not a secular thing, it is a biblical mandate. And when we do those things, we see beauty. And when we see beauty, we see God and we see heaven. We see in full color. Why do we need beauty? Beauty at the end of the day brings us hope. We live in a broken world. America is a broken place. I am a broken person. You are broken people. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are broken. Now turn to your neighbor and say, you are beautiful. The, the boys over here are very uncomfortable with that. God has created us all unique and beautiful in God's image. And so when we do live in that broken world, when our heart is discouraged, when our spirits are despaired, when we are filled with mourning, God says there is hope. There is hope in the beauty of creation. There is hope in the beauty of diversity. You can be different because God made you different. You can be beautiful because God made you beautiful. And when you see that beauty in others, when you see that beauty in creation, then you see the face of God, you see a glimpse of heaven, and when you see that, hope springs eternal. And so we need to see the work of beauty. The work of the gospel is the work of beauty. So as you go home, and celebrate America this weekend, and, and you can. There's nothing wrong with celebrating what this country is, but let's also celebrate what this country can and should be, and what we ultimately should be. Because we are first citizens of heaven, and then citizens of our country. To be a good Christian doesn't mean we have to be a good American. And being a good American doesn't mean we are a good Christian. God is calling us to be beautiful people, created in his image to bring forth a gospel of hope. So I encourage you to remember that this week. We're gonna go now into a time of communion. And I would encourage you to um, see the beauty in communion today to see the beauty of Jesus as he gathers the disciples around, takes off his outer robe and washes their feet and serves them. 
to beauty as he is foreshadowing he will be going to the cross and giving up his life and pouring out his spirit for our hope, for our redemption. There's a beauty in the breaking of the bread and the pouring out of the cup. There's a beauty in the diversity of the table. For as United Methodists, we practice an open table. It is not our table. It is not, um, it, it is not any church's table. But it is an open table, and all are welcome. All of diverse people are welcome. Watch people as they come forward today. One of my favorite things in this church is to watch people come forward in the diversity of Christ's body. I don't see it anywhere but here. And then you go out into the parking lot and you can see the diversity in the cars that are driven as well. We've got Porsche hybrid SUVs and we've got rusted out minivans and yet the diversity of God is in that place. And so when you come forward to take communion today, experience that beauty. And remember this, on the night before Jesus' death, he gathers his disciples around. He took bread. He broke it. And he said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I'm going to grab a loaf 